Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Monday, February 13th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the top political stories happening today. Another flying object was shot out of the sky over the weekend, this time over Canadian territory on Saturday. NORAD confirmed um, that an unidentified object uh, entered unlawfully Canadian airspace. Uh, it represented a reasonable threat to civilian aircraft, uh, so I gave the order to take it down. And then Sunday, the U.S. downed a fourth object over Lake Huron. The Bloc Québécois argues for the province's right to use the notwithstanding clause. The use of the notwithstanding clause is not popular at all with cultural communities in the greater Toronto area, and that's a key battleground in the next federal election. Plus, the country's premiers meet today to make a decision on that federal health care offer. We're going to get this deal done. Uh, I have to make sure I get approval from all premiers and uh, make sure we always take care of the, the, the territories and the smaller provinces. Uh, but take care of everyone, and we're, we're very, very close to crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Here to sort through all of these issues, Joël Denis Bellavance, the Ottawa Bureau Chief for La Presse. Bonjour, Joël Denis. Good morning, Julie. Nice to see you, and I'm glad you could join us. So, uh, some really disturbing news over the weekend. Uh, another unidentified object was shot down on Saturday over Yukon, then another one over Lake Huron yesterday so that's four in less than a week now are there any answers or any insight into what is going on with this swarm of mysterious flying objects over north american skies well the first suspicion is that those non-identified objects are used by a country that does not want us to be in a good position they want to spy on us that's the first conclusion that was made after we shot down the first balloon that was from china so all suspicions are that um, you know, that's the first hypothesis. Now, it does raise a lot of questions though, about our national security, about our readiness to uh, be able to fight the, or combat those things in terms of Canada, mostly. And it may have political implications for the following reason. Um, I think that it, it may uh, relaunch or rekindle the debate about the future of ballistic missile defense shield with Canada participating in it or not. This issue has been raised in the past, uh, was uh, um, ruled out by the former government of Paul Martin, a liberal government in 2005 and six, And then uh, over the last few years, there were some reports coming from the Senate calling on the government to uh, launch talks again with the United States for Canada to be a partner in that uh, ballistic missile defense shield. So uh, I think this issue will, um, it, first of all, it is uh, putting uh, uh, pressure on our own defense in north northern Canada because all those balloons or all those objects were shot down by American airplanes, not Canadian airplanes, although in our CF-18 were part of the exercise but they were not shot down by Canadian airplanes. And so I think it will put pressure on the government to, I think, lay out clearly a strategy as to how we are ensuring our own defense in northern Canada, in the north of Canada, and uh, protecting our sovereignty. Yeah, it's interesting because I saw that Pierre Poilievre put out a news release basically blaming Trudeau for eight years of neglect of um, making sure the, you know, the north and the skies and everything else were well patrolled. So uh, as we go along, if this, uh, if we have more incidents and so on, it could become very political. 
Exactly. And that's the reason why I'm raising this issue. And I'm sure that the Conservative Party will be asking some questions to the government this week as to how, uh, what role Canada played in, in that uh, uh, incident. Uh, was Canada a full participant or was the United States the lead on those operations, including uh, the operation to shut down the balloon over the Yukon? So that's a, it's a question of uh, sovereignty. Do you have to rely on other countries to ensure that you are protected up north? And, uh, or do you, do you uh, make the investment necessary? And then I think it will probably uh, get thinking the National Defense Minister, Antoine. And she has said, by the way, that uh, uh, last June when she was uh, confirming that we were uh, trying to modernize NORAD, that Canada would reassess its eventual participation in the ballistic missile defense shield. So I think that will put, uh, again, the camera or, or the projectile, as we say in French, on that issue. Uh, in the House of Commons. Right. Well, it's sure, certainly a wake-up call because she was saying in her news conference, you know, this is the first time in NORAD's history uh, that, uh, you know, uh, that they've had to do this, like, you know, shoot down uh, shoot down these, these objects. So, so th this is no longer an exercise. It is <laughs> happening in real time. <laughs> it's happening in real time. And, of course, we don't know exactly what's behind everything, but I'm assuming after they examine wreckage and everything else, we'll have a much better idea. So, okay, well, that's certainly one to watch. Now, in the House of Commons today, MPs are going to decide whether to back a Bloc Québécois motion reaffirming the right of all provinces to invoke the notwithstanding clause. Now, that can sound a little boring to some people who don't follow the notwithstanding clause every day, but it's not boring. No, it's not boring for the following reason, because, again, this will have political implications. The Black Québécois is reacting to an interview that the Prime Minister gave to La Presse, in which the Prime Minister to you, raised... It... To you, actually, yes. <laughs> in which the Prime Minister raised the possibility of making a reference to the Supreme Court of Canada to, you know, sort of give directions as to how provinces can use a notwithstanding clause. Why? Because some provinces have been using it in a very uh, clever way, in a preventative manner. And that is, uh, you know, um, you know, it goes against the uh, DNA of the Liberal Party and the government as to protect the Charter of Rights. Uh, when you use the uh, notwithstanding clause in a preventative manner, so you prevent any debates in the in national, in the uh, political arena, but also in the uh, judicial arena, because the notwithstanding clause says that the, some clauses of the Charter of Rights do not apply for a period of five years, and then you have to uh, go over again that process. So the Prime Minister doesn't want the provinces to use it that way, especially because Doug Ford in Ontario used it to suspend the rights of workers to strike. In, they used the notwithstanding clause. He backed on after two weeks because there was such a uh, heavy reaction against that use of the notwithstanding clause. But the Black Québécois is trying to defend the right of provinces to uh, use it in the way they want it, because in Quebec, they used it in uh, language law, the Bill uh, 96, but also uh, Bill uh, 21 on the secular law. So the notwithstanding clause was used in two instances uh, to uh, suspend charter rights in that cases. And so um, the Black sees it in a way that the federal government wants to override what the provinces are doing by trying to uh, have some kind of rules applying to the use of notwithstanding clause. The vote will be important for the following reason. We know where the Liberal Party stands on this one. They're against, you know, using in a preventive matter. We know also where the NDP stands. They are uh, like-minded with the um, same thought as the Liberal government. And now, where does the Conservative Party stand? That's not clear. Mm. And it's a very, very interesting way because 
it was the premier of conservative provinces in the West in, 19, in the 1980s that pushed for the inclusion of the notwithstanding clause in the Constitution in the first place, so they can use it in the way they want. So the Conservative Party will be uh, caught between a, a rock and a hard place for that reason. If they say we, the provinces can use it whichever they want, then they're with the Bloc Québécois and they're view with the way Doug Ford used it. Or if they go with the Liberal Party, then they will go against uh, what the provincial premiers have done in the past, including Doug Ford, a Conservative premier, and also François Legault, who, you know, is more conservative than anything else in the way he runs the province in Quebec. Well, yeah, so it's very interesting because there are provinces that have used it, as you mentioned, Doug Ford, Saskatchewan's used it in the past, but certainly more Alberta, recently. And Alberta right. as well. So right. all and, conservative provinces. Right, but certainly more recently with Bill 21 in Quebec and uh, yep. Bill 96, the language law, that's when it became quite, uh, you know, I guess controversial, you could say, because of, of the uh, impact it's having, certainly, Bill 21, say, on, um, you know, um, Muslim women, for example, uh, and yep. the hijab. So, I mean, it's it's become quite a controversial uh, thing to use. And, and it goes back to Pierre Trudeau, like you say, as like Justin Trudeau's father, who reluctantly accepted this. So it's quite interesting. The compromise, it was called the compromise then, but the compromise has had some political impacts. And this issue, uh, Julie, will be debated in the House of Commons, was debated in the House of Commons last week and the vote today, but uh, uh, tonight. But eventually, this issue will end up in the Supreme Court of Canada. So this is not, this is far from being over. Why? Because Bill 21 is being contested uh, still in front of the courts. And eventually, the federal government will intervene once it lands in the hands of the Supreme Court. Of yeah, Canada. I find that a little bit confusing, but just uh, Bill 21 is being contested because, yeah, because I thought the notwithstanding well, clause kind of protected you against, you know, challenges. But I guess it's not it, all, all parts of the charter. Exactly. It's not, uh, you know, uh, it's not being contested on, on on the fact that some rights are being contested because of the notwithstanding clause. But it is being contested because the government used the notwithstanding clause. That's why. <laughs> Right. No, on, on, no. On, a more, uh, on a more fundamental issue than uh, on, on a very fundamental issue as to how the government could, can use the notwithstanding clause. Right. Right. So you'll mostly be watching what the conservatives do. Yeah, because that will be uh, giving and, you know, uh, next cover might be the conservative party. And this might land in their in their on their desk uh, eventually if they form the next government. Right. And if they want to keep support in Quebec or, or build support in Quebec. Uh, they're going to want to support the province's, uh, you know, uh, ability to use this, but they could have backlash in their own caucus. So who knows, right? And the GTA, remember uh, this: uh, the use of the notwithstanding clause is not popular at all with uh, right. cultural communities in the Greater Toronto area, and that's a key battleground in the next federal election. So, right. so you see the political. Like, <laughs> it's like a big puzzle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so our final uh, topic, because we've been talking about health for for uh, a week, obviously, since uh, the premiers came to town. Today, they're meeting to decide uh, whether they accept this funding. So what's your prediction? Well, it's funny because Doug Ford, the premier of Ontario, he will be taking part in that meeting. But in my sense, he has already accepted the deal. So he's going there just for, you know, uh, uh, just to show his face to the other premiers, because uh, in the past few days, he's been accused by some political commentators as being a spy of federal <laughs> government <laughs> among the premiers. 
because he gets along very well with Justin Trudeau. And that has been, you know, raising some ire in some quarters, including in Quebec. So is Doug Ford a real ally of the provinces or is he a real ally of the, the federal government? That so is really uh, funny. So he's there <laughs> spying on the whole thing so he can call Justin Trudeau and say, here's what's really going on. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So I expect Doug Ford to say rapidly that he wants to conclude a deal. He's mentioned that in the past and other provinces will follow suit. It's, it's quite interesting for the following reason, because remember when the uh, Ottawa negotiated daycare deals, Ontario was the last province to sign on. And now Ontario, uh, Ontario, sorry, was the last province to sign on. Now Ontario wants to be the first province to sign on on the new healthcare deal. Wow. There are some reason, political reasons for that, because, you know, the headlines in Ontario were really, really bad about, you know, uh, emergency rooms uh, closing down because of lack of uh, uh, workers and shortages or, or too many people in the emergency room. So um, so the premium wants to be seen as the guy who's taking care of healthcare problems and trying to deal with it with federal cash. Right. And so there's no point going through every province. But for the most part, we ha- I don't think we've heard any province saying, I'm leaving this money on the table. Even Alberta said, I'm not leaving this money on the table. And I was shocked by, I thought Daniel Smith of Alberta would be, you know, more reluctant to negotiate a deal with Ottawa, but you're right. All provinces have signaled, at least, with some some of them grumbling more than others, but right. they've signaled that they're willing to take the money. It's better than nothing. On, and you can't leave money on the table while it might be used for healthcare. So we might hear grumbling, but a green light. So yeah, Exactly. <laughs> That's my expectations. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, thank you so much uh, for your insights and uh, have a great day. That was uh, Joël Denis Bellavance, Ottawa Bureau Chief for La Presse. I recognize that permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment on my part. It came at a time when Barb, my wife of 40 plus years, and I were enduring many lengthy periods apart while I carried out my responsibilities during the pandemic. As a result, I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes and to do the work of rebuilding the trust of my family. Now, let's take a look at two different viewpoints on the sudden resignation of Toronto Mayor John Tory on Friday night. Rosie DeMano writes in the Toronto Star, John Tory should not have resigned as mayor of Toronto. I can't think of a good reason why Tory is less fit to occupy the mayor's office today than he was a week ago, or less than four months ago, when voters overwhelmingly elected him to an historic third term. I can't think of a public interest reason to have exposed Tory's extramarital affair with a member of his staff either. Just like that, John Tory has dismantled the persona he spent his long career building. Behold the wreckage, a city in administrative chaos, a marriage in turmoil, a reputation in tatters, and a return to crazy town down at the hall. Meanwhile, Kelly McFarland in the National Post has this to say. The fact that he saw immediately that he had to resign and did it with so much dignity as he could muster was characteristic. He generally tried to do the right thing. He sought to be an upstanding citizen. His work ethic was legend. Then he blew it with one big mistake. Now, here's what's happening on the Hill and elsewhere today. Minister of Innovation François-Philippe Champagne is in Montreal to unveil a list of projects that will get funding through the Artificial Intelligence AI Global Innovation Cluster. Conservative leader Pierre Poilievre will hold a press conference with members of his caucus at 10.30. Le Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette will also hold a media availability today 
about the vote on his opposition day motion regarding the notwithstanding clause. He's up at 11.30. The Minister of International Development, Harjit Sajjan, is in B.C. He will provide details on funding to revitalize Vancouver's historic Chinatown. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend question period today, then will meet with Inuit Tapirat Kanatami as part of pre-budget consultations. And the Prime Minister will be in Whitehorse and will meet with the Premier of the Yukon, Ranj Palai. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, February 13th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.